It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be an amazing show. I cannot wait. I'll introduce my guest in a moment or two, and I promise we're going to have a lot of fun, and we're going to learn a lot, too. But I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I usually do this every single week. If you've ever wondered how to make your life better, I have three quick suggestions. Number one, treasure your family and friends. No matter what your current relationships are with family and friends, there's always time to mend those because you never know when they could be taken away from you. The great blessing this experience gave me was the opportunity to love, appreciate, and treasure those around me. I believe I have a greater capacity to give than I did before, and this often happens when you emerge victorious from the fire. Number two, be aggressively thankful for everything. Don't just be thankful, be aggressively thankful. I take multiple moments a day to reflect on the people and the things that I am grateful for. In my experience, you travel, attract more wonderful things into your life when you are aggressively thankful for what you already have. You can't attract great things into your life when you are in a place of despair, sadness, and lack. These things can only appear in your life when you are operating from a space of love, gratitude, and happiness. And number three, take nothing for granted. As mentioned earlier, you never know when the things that you have will no longer be available to you. Those things could be your friends and family, your career, or your health, like it was for me for a little while a few years ago when I experienced a life-threatening illness. Treasure each moment and be fully present as often as possible. Every time you get to talk to or hang out with someone you love, it's X minus one opportunities that you will ever have to experience that again. And you thought you'd never use algebra again after learning in high school. Anyway, with all this in mind, I do want to introduce my guest. But before I forget, I just have to remind you that my latest book came out earlier this month, and it's called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur, Volume 1. I and 26 collaborators share our amazing experiences that we've learned being in business, the ups, the downs, the good, the bad, the ugly, and all the things. Get that on Amazon. The Kindle's 99 cents. The paperback's $14.99. Once again, that's called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur, Volume 1. And Volume 2 should be coming out in about a month from now. I cannot wait to share that with you. So here we are with my very special guest, Tyler Dozier. Let me tell you about him. He is the 27-year-old COO of the events company 48.7 Live, underneath CEO Ryan Stuman. Through the years, starting at 15 years old, Tyler has planned, coordinated, ran, and assisted in over 1,200 events ranging from festivals, weddings, benefit concerts, corporate team buildings, staff outings, seminars, conferences, and much more. He's always played the Renaissance man in his peer and professional groups, showing adaptivity and resourcefulness to learn and perform new skills. Many of these qualities have been a driving force that have led him to success in every avenue he has put his effort into. I've been to several events that he has coordinated, and I'll tell you what, the best test of what a good event planner is if you don't even know they're there because everything's running great, at least on the surface. We'll talk about all that and so much more right now. Here we are with my very special guest, Tyler Dozier. Tyler, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, Brian, I'm doing wonderful. Uh, thank you for having me, man. I am super amped and, and stoked to be here. It is, it is an honor. Thank you so much. So the first question I normally like to ask people is, did you envision early in life that you would be where you are right now? Oh, that's a great question. Um, 
in some sense, I felt like I was always going to be in the um, entertainment uh, space of some sort. I just mm-hmm. wasn't always sure what that was going to be. Uh, when I was younger, it was more of the, I want to be an actor. I want to be the person in front of the screen and whatnot. And that kind of trickled over into um, my my teen years when I was making music. And that's really when I got like the uh, full scope of what goes on behind the scenes of events and whatnot. And, uh, and, and as I started to take myself away from the spotlight, uh, that's when I put myself in those positions to start kind of running the things and not being the center of attention. So yes, but maybe not in this way that I am now, but I'm happy to be there. Absolutely. So do you find that you're comfortable being behind the scenes or do you sometimes wish that you were out in front more? Um, I miss it at times being the person that like everyone knows my name. They know that, you know, I get to show off a little bit of my personality when I get a mic microphone in my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I miss a little bit of that, but I'm definitely comfortable behind the scenes. I like being almost like the mad scientist behind all yeah. of this of putting it all together and then, um, seeing the inner workings. I want to know how something works like to the smallest little detail. So I'll take something apart and I want to know every little thing of it. I think it's the same way with how I um, set up, plan, and coordinate my events. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about your path of how you got here. I'll just let you have free reign for a couple minutes. Yeah, um, it's a very interesting one. Uh, at about 15 years old, um, we were not at about, uh, we were 15 years old. We had a really close friend of ours um, actually pass away when, when I was a freshman in high school. And um, through that, you know, that was a person that we spent time with in our friend's basement, really just playing music, listening to music, freestyling over instrumental type beats and whatnot. And so when he was gone, we decided, let's create something um, in memoriam of that and of him. And um, we created a song and we put it out there publicly. And it was called More Than a Memory. And mm. on Facebook, we had uh, a little bit over 100 people like that video. And for us back in the, you know, 2009 times of Facebook, 100 likes was a really, really big deal for us. And we were like, well, these people enjoyed this. Maybe this is something that we should continue to do. And uh, so what really started happening is we started setting up our own shows and uh, doing everything from the AV side of things, the marketing of it, creating the flyers, getting the friends out there, creating the set lists, all of that. And we really enjoyed it. But as we get older, you start alienating some of the friend groups, um, people that see you doing the things that they wish they could do. It created a lot of like riff. And it was the side of the entertainment business that I didn't know existed. It was, um, okay, you're in the spotlight, so now everyone thinks that you think you're something big, but in reality, I was always telling myself, I'm just a normal person. And so that's a part of, at a point, when I got to 17 years old and I'm opening up for people like um, Machine Gun Kelly or Mac Miller, um, I got to the point of, like, I'm done with this. I mm-hmm. People are coming up to us asking for selfies and, and treating us like we're rock stars and following us to our car, you know, at the end of the night. And I don't really enjoy that aspect of it. And mm. so I, I got to start doing a little bit of work behind the scenes for bigger festivals of, you know, now I'm the person that's working with some of the top talent. And mm. 
um, I'm driving them around or I'm taking them to local places to run whatever errands that they need to run while they're in town. Yeah. And I started really enjoying that because I got to see a different side of the events. I was no longer the person with the microphone in hand entertaining everyone. I was the one making sure that um, other people could have the opportunity to be entertained by making sure that the right things were in place uh, so that people could really experience what what our vision was for the the events. And so um, it's been really interesting. I, I've had some stops along the way from program directing for a Christian sports camp, did that for a few summers, um, and then managing a gymnastics gym and actually coaching uh, from 2012 to 2020. And obviously, mm. in that process, there was a whole lot of birthday parties and parents yeah. night outs and customer appreciations that um, weren't created before. But I've put that as part of our company. And uh, so I got to still do some of the event side of things, but it mm -hmm. wasn't my main focus. So now I'm back to it being the main focus and, uh, yeah. and I'm, I'm blessed. Yeah. When you get to plan events and help them run their errands, like you mentioned earlier, you get to spend one-on-one -on -one time with top speakers, top talent that people would like pay thousands of dollars for. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been a, <laughs> a beautiful perk of it all. What do you think is the most impactful thing that you've learned driving one of these top celebrities around? Um, I there have been some that uh, they they want really nothing to do with you, honestly. Um, some of them, like Chance the Rapper, uh, for instance, I got to see a side of him that he wasn't really public about until right around this time of his faith. Um, it was really a, a beautiful thing to see there, and you know. Um, the 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 trust and faith that he had in his creator and God. And mm. I thought that was a beautiful thing. Um, there was a, a man named Dizzy Wright that he's from out of Las Vegas that um, he was the first one that I really saw that I was like, y'all are just normal people. He yeah. would sit there and talk to any of us and it, it, he talked at our level. And yeah. uh, that was something that, that I really respected. Mm -hmm. um, people like Tory Lanez, they're just, they're just at the end of the day, regular people. And so we put these people on a pedestal because maybe their minds work a little bit differently that have allowed them to um, be successful. But whenever I started realizing that they're just like me, um, it really erased a lot of the imposter syndrome that I had dealt with before, because I thought this is an uh, unobtainable um, type of person. And then after having a conversation with them, I'm like, no, they're just like my best friends. And we could have the same conversation for a lot of them. Now, there are some that are uh, treat themselves maybe larger than life, but yeah. I never treated them that way. And so um, I think the biggest lesson has just always been like, hey, if you're great, you know, like, or if they're great and everyone views them as this greatness, uh, they're just like you. And so if you see greatness in them, then you're seeing greatness in yourself. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so that's, it's been, it's been really cool to get to meet those types of people. Fantastic. We've got less than two minutes to our first break. Did you ever have any doubts about whether or not you'd succeed? Ooh, um, um, yes and no. So let me explain. I always uh, have a confidence. I've built a confidence over the years that I, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm pretty darn good at what I do. At the mm -hmm. same time, I'm also my biggest critic. So um, people will say, oh, yeah, you're doing a great job. Uh, this was awesome. It was the best event I've been to. But then I'm brushing through it with a comb and saying, well, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. I'm upset. And, and so, um, maybe not necessarily like, oh, I'm not successful, but, 
I definitely am hard on myself and think that I still have a lot more that I could do. Absolutely. We are coming up against our very first break. I cannot wait to continue this conversation with Tyler Dozier. We are talking about event planning today. A lot of us out there in the audience maybe have planned events or maybe are thinking about planning events, or maybe this is the first time that you've thought about whether or not you should plan an event. We'll talk about why you should, why people haven't, the big mistakes that people tend to make so that you don't make those mistakes yourself. Because if you make some mistakes planning your own event and trying to execute, you could lose a lot of money. We'll talk about how you can prevent that when we come back. This is Success Profiles Radio. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's words you never heard. Recently, my husband took me out for a romantic lobster dinner. I decided to show my appreciation by bringing a few facts about lobsters to the table. For starters, I found out that lobsters can not only pinch, but they can bite you. Their mouths are designed to crush muscle shells. Before they became a delicacy, lobster was considered rather unappetizing and was regularly served to prisoners. In fact, a law was even enacted limiting the number of days prisoners could be fed lobster before it was considered abuse. Lobsters still have the nickname Bugs today. A female lobster is called a hen, and the male is called a cock. A lobster with no claws is known as a pistol, and a cull has just one claw. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Tyler Dozier, and we are talking about event planning. If you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please do so. Leave a review. That would mean a lot to me. And if you have Alexa or Siri or a Google device and you ask for the latest episode of Success Profiles Radio, that device will play it for you, and it'll be the most recent episode. And starting tonight, it'll be this one. So how about that? So, Tyler, what is the most expensive mistake you've ever made? Um, this is a great question. It's actually what led me into um, the full-time event side of things. Uh, when I was managing and coaching for eight years, um, mm-hmm. honestly, I was, a, a, for lack of better terms, a pretty valuable piece to that puzzle. We had 48 employees. 
Um, between those 48 employees, I managed over 30 of them uh, between our two two gyms that we had. Mm-hmm. And um, and and I was, you know, one of two that could coach everything from a 14 month, you know, uh, a toddler and, and all the way up to your, you know, competitive gymnasts that are going to be collegiate athletes and everything in between there, boys, girls, um, tumbling, cheerleaders, all that stuff. And really what my expensive mistake was, was that I put so much time um, into everybody else over those eight years that I felt guilty to ever take a um, vacation because it wasn't easy to get a substitute for my classes. I'd have to switch around four or five different coaches just to try and take care of my day um, because I was so versatile in my type of coaching. Um, you know, not everyone that coaches a three-year-old can also coach the 10-year-old. Right. And so that expensive uh, uh, thing that I, I or um, mistake that I made was that for eight years, I did not take time for myself at all. I said, my fulfillment is by f- making other people happy and by seeing them uh, have a smile and be fulfilled and, you know, win in these tasks or these goals that they have. Um, I'm going to be totally fine. And that's going to be everything that I need to keep myself running. Well, 2020 comes around and I no longer can do that. And mm-hmm. I lose that. I, 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 full transparency, kind of have a, a moment of breakdown and identity crisis of like, who am I without this? And I didn't have an answer for that. So um, it took me that I really felt that uh, in June of uh, 2020. And I didn't really recover from it until I started at Break Free Academy Mm -hmm. uh, before launching into 48.7, but Break Free Academy with Ryan Stuman in December. So it was about six months of just pain and um through support groups and honestly therapy and other great people in my life um that just poured into me constantly i was finally able to value myself a little bit more because i learned to love myself a little bit more and not rely on everyone else's happiness to make me happy um and so it was a very valuable lesson i don't know that i'd necessarily call it a mistake but it definitely is the biggest teacher in my life because it definitely was the uh, biggest moment of rock bottom that I'd hit in my life. And mm-hmm. I was able to rise from that. And I feel like I'm in a much better place these days. Fantastic. Do you have coaches and mentors? I do. Yeah. Um, one of them, his name is David Nichols. Um, he's the owner of the CrossFit gym that I've been with for about five years now. Um, I looked at him and I didn't necessarily see, oh, he's the richest man in the world or anything like that. I saw a, a person who runs a successful business Um is a really great family man, um, sticks to his core values in his faith. He, you know, almost to, to, uh, it it doesn't always appeal to everyone, but he will speak on his faith in a group class coaching setting. Mm -hmm. And I respect that a lot um, Mm -hmm. because a lot of people are afraid to talk on those things um, just because of how polarizing that, that subject can be. and, you know, the fear of judgment of what your beliefs are. And so he, by seeing that and seeing the community that he created by leading by example daily, he was the one that if we did a fitness or nutrition challenge or anything, he was leading the way. He was doing it too. You weren't mm-hmm. going to see him tell you to go eat healthy. And then he's eating, you know, uh, those huge lumps of cake and and 
drinking whiskey every night. He was the one leading the way. And so um, I had just recently reached out to him and said, hey, you've already done so much for me. Can I pay you to be a mentor? And so now we do uh, biweekly in-person meetings, 90 minutes, um, and he gives me different tasks and things there. He's my main one. Um, And then I have support groups and accountability groups basically in every other avenue through my my own fitness, um, my faith, through my nutrition, um, all of it. So, Good. so I think it's super important to have those things. Fantastic. What is your big why? What gets you up in the morning? Um, it used to be, it used to be, uh, uh, I want to make everyone, you know, happy. And I mm-hmm. realized that was unrealistic. Now yeah. I want to be able to live life, um, on my terms. And mm-hmm. so I, I, a huge thing that like why I wake up in the morning is because I know that I have the opportunity to become a little bit better and that little bit better for my own self will bleed into the lives of the people around me. And so there's still some of that service action where I say, hey, I want to impact others positively and make sure that they come away from our interactions um, a little bit better and or a little bit happier or whatever that may be. But it all now is kind of centered a little bit more towards make sure that I'm doing right by myself so that I can be there to pour into others. I love that. That's fantastic. Let's talk about event planning. Why is it why is it important for an entrepreneur in their business model to host events? Yeah, I think a, a lot of the things that we see when we aren't face to face and we just see things through social media and um, or, well, especially social media, but even through calls, emails, things like that is a lot of the times it's either, hey, I'm going to pitch you on some of my stuff, which doesn't really connect to the person, uh, to your your clientele as much. Um, there's definitely things that can can be relatable in that, but um, I think it's not as relatable there. And social media can be like a highlight reel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that when you get in person and you connect with people and you bring people together, um, you can be a lot more impactful and powerful in what your message is. Uh, I think body language speaks just volumes uh, to the person that you are. So when I get to see you in person and really see how you interact with people, it may be completely different than what I see from social media. So I think it's important uh, to have events that you bring people together, but then it's also important to provide some sort of value in, in you know, yeah. whether that be in motivation or education. And I think that's what entrepreneurial um, events do a lot of, and they mm-hmm. do really well, is that they help these people educate. So that's kind of the hook. Um, and then they stick around for what the community is and what the the vibe and everything else is there. Mm-hmm. So we try to draw you with that hook and then um, keep you and wow you with everything else, the lights, the the action, mm-hmm. all the fun and the, the beautiful, wonderful people that we get to bring together. Yeah. What do you think are some of the best reasons why people do an event? Um, it can be profitable. So honestly, money might play play a good part into that. Um not only profitable on the front end if you are raising sponsorships or selling tickets or anything like that, um, but also profitable on the back end as an entrepreneur. If you have a great offer, you can always somehow tie that in there. It doesn't have to be like, thanks for coming to my event. Buy my stuff right here. This is how you have to do it. But you did open the door and create a little bit of relationship and hopefully some rapport uh, Mm -hmm. that you can continue those conversations down the road. So you may not sell them now, but it may be two years from now that they come back to you because you're at the forefront of their brain because you made an impact while they were there with you, maybe even that one time at that event. And so uh, I think money is a a very large driving factor. 
but also um it plays a big part into that branding too if you, yeah. you know, if, if you're always the person that's in front of you know a hundred people um you're going to you're going to be very well known in the marketplace because every time i see that person they're mm-hmm. commanding a stage and so i think yep. it's important to focus a little bit on the profitability of it but mm-hmm. also how can i um impact people at a quicker scale and sometimes yeah. that's bringing them all into the same room versus hey i'm going to make 100 cold calls hey i'm going to give one speech and it's going to reach 100 people which right. one could be easier you yep. know what scares people off from doing an event um the down costs, the initial costs of it. Um, so for some of these things, it doesn't always have to be that way. Um, but for some events, they can be expensive on the front end. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just depending on what you want and how much are you willing to, you know, negotiate with mm-hmm. with a hotel or a venue or your AV company. Because I'll tell you what, when I first started doing this, I negotiated a ton. I, my first big thing was uh, with, with 48.7 was million dollar mastermind 2021 mm-hmm. and i probably went through five or six different av companies two or three different security companies um three different menus for catering um i looked into our like i fought on wi-fi and power and um and like k- drop boxes energy wise like everything i was trying to get the absolute best price on so it's time consuming mm-hmm. um there are a lot of details that you have to try and juggle and you're in control of people's emotions, really, when they show up mm-hmm. to the event. So that's a heavy burden to carry for a lot of people when they're yeah. already also running a business. So if they're trying yeah. to do all this on their own, um, you know, it, it can be kind of scary to say, yeah. hey, uh, I'm in control of your emotions at the moment. And if mm-hmm. I don't do a good job, it can go from, <clears throat> excuse me, it can go from uh, the happiest person in the world to almost mob mentality. And right. uh, so you have to be good at what you do and you have to be very intentional about what mm-hmm. you want clarity on your yep. on your plans because if you don't things can go wrong very quickly yeah um, we've, in the event we've got, world we've got less than yeah, two minutes sorry. to our break so let me ask you how do you know whether you should hire a professional event planner versus trying to do it yourself um how much time do you have because if you but, don't have yeah. time then you don't you shouldn't be running it by yourself hire mm-hmm. the professional if you don't have a, an eye for detail, if you're more visionary type and you say, hey, I've got all the ideas, but I don't know how to implement it, then you should not be the the event planner for your thing. You can tell a, an event coordinator or planner, this is my vision and let them do the work. Same thing for an integrator. If all you can do is put the work in, but you can't come up with an idea to make it different or make it stand out, um, that's a problem. So you need to know where's my weakness. And if you can find the right person, to, uh, you know, complement your weakness there, I would highly recommend always getting the professional to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. Smaller groups, I don't know that the stakes are as large, but, Mm -hmm. you know, as things get larger, mob mentality is a very real thing. So you don't want to be stuck with, you know, 300 uh, slightly upset people because slightly upset turns to very angry very quickly. Absolutely. We're coming up against our next break. My guest is Tyler Dozier. We're talking about event planning and we will talk about a lot more when we come back from the great break and we will talk about how far in advance should you plan your event and what are your best guidelines around that how to pick a good venue and talk about an event master plan because you have to be very well organized we'll come right back
the mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.brianckwright.com for more information. Once again, that's brianckwright.com. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. back this is success profiles radio my very special guest this week is tyler dozier we are talking about planning your event uh, for your business your corporate event or whatever kind of event you want to plan there are so many possibilities but i would like to ask and i know the answer on the surface to this next question is going to be it really depends but how far in advance should someone plan their event what are your best guidelines around that yes um you are totally right it does depend but um i try to keep everything planned out at least um, a year in advance mm. in terms of the date. When it comes to establishing event goals and objectives, that's within six months. So typically mm. um, six months of the event is really when I come together and say, this is the vision. This is what I want. Here we go. That's fantastic. How do you pick a good venue? Um, I walk through a lot of them, really. Um, I have to look at the acoustics. I think that's a big part of it. But then also, does it have a little bit of curb appeal or does it have a wow factor, maybe a little bit of an X factor there? Um, when you walk into the space, is there something that really catches your eye? If it's a normal ballroom, uh, typically doesn't do too much for me. Um, but I look at it and I see the potential of what can I do with this space? And, uh, and then it always comes down to the staffing too. There are some people yeah. that you walk in, they look like they don't care. Uh, if they don't care when you're, they're trying to get your business, then they're not going to care when they're helping you run your event. And uh, right. I think support staff is important at the venues. Absolutely. And I would think two other things to think about, having practical considerations and creating an experience. Because if you can create an experience and do your event at somewhere exotic or unusual, you're going to be remembered for a long time, especially if you pull it off, right? Definitely. Yeah, you can you can do some of them um, where the city kind of does the talking, like, say, when we do next month in October, when we're doing uh, Las Vegas, you know, uh, our, our venue speaks loudly, but then everything around it in downtown Vegas also speaks very loudly. So we're kind of leaning on um, the community as well. So it's not just the place you walk into, but when people travel in, 
you know, is there something cool for them to do? Is there something for them to check out? Is there an experience there? Um, yeah. If you're here next or in the next couple of weeks, you'll get to experience some of that when we're in Fort Worth, you know, mm-hmm. in historic stockyards, yeah. downtown Cowtown over here with all the cowboy stuff. Yeah, that that's ever since I went to Dallas for the first time, it's been a goal to go to the stockyards in Fort Worth and I will be there. I just haven't RSVP'd yet, but I'm going to be there. So I'm going right. to do that right <laughs> away. Yeah, for sure. So you guys did a pop-up evening event in Scottsdale when I was still living in Arizona. You did your uh, one-night event at the Odyssey Aquarium. And if you've never been there, y'all, it's really fantastic. They had it, they had it set up so that the speakers were speaking in front of a giant shark tank in the background. It was such an amazing event. <laughs> yes, yes. That's been our uh, our main goal for any of our pop-up events. Um, I say, you know, everyone's been to the seminar where it's suit and ties and they're in a hotel ballroom and it's all the same there. I said, when we're going to a community for a pop-up event, that's a free event. We really want to reach the people that we've never reached before. So how do we do that? Um, you give them some free drinks, some free free food, and you find a cool, interesting spot. And uh, so we've kind of kept that same thing where it's like, mm-hmm. anytime we do a pop-up event, let's make it something unique, uh, some, where this space has one purpose. I want to uh, kind of flip it and change people's you know, mind on what else can I do with a space. And right. so uh, that, that was the thought behind the, the aquarium. Yeah. And pro tip for anyone listening out there, and uh, Ryan Stuman's team does this brilliantly. If Ryan is speaking at someone else's, someone else's event, he will do a free pop-up event the night before in the town he's speaking in so that he has a chance to capture his own audience outside of the venue that he's going to be speaking at the next day. Brilliant strategy. Yes, yes. He's got to do a science for sure. How has that worked out for you guys? Um, It's been wonderful. I think the first one we did was in uh, Farmingdale, uh, New York. And so right outside of um, the the boroughs. And um, it was it was really awesome. I think I I think I spent honestly about I'll throw a couple numbers at you and, mm-hmm. and hopefully uh, they don't share too far. But, yeah. you know, they they there's we probably spent about fifteen thousand dollars on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got just from there alone three apex entrepreneurs. So mm-hmm. if anyone knows about the apex, you know, community, you know that we doubled our money by yeah. just those people. Right. And uh, and so, you know, it was a really good return on investment. And we got a handful of other people just getting into Apex Entourage. So yeah. it's been a, a good strategy and um, and it's been a good feel. And a lot of that falls down on the Apex people that do show up, not just yes. the outsiders. Um, it's y'all coming in and being the personal, personable um, humans that you are and and mm-hmm. representing what, you know, our mission is here. Mm-hmm. And um so, so a lot of it falls back onto y'all being the the wonderful humans that you are, and uh, it's yeah. a big testament that y'all are the reason that we are successful in that. Fantastic! You are a big advocate for having an event master plan. What is that? What does that look like for you? Yeah, so um, I'll go pretty quick on it, but my event master plan uh, does vary a little bit. Um, not everything's perfectly in order, but I do take a ten step process, and essentially that is establishing my event goals and objectives then selecting my event's date, developing that master plan of thinking of, okay, what is what insurance does the venue require? Do, can I serve alcohol, food? Does it have to be their in-house staff or whatever? Knowing the contracts, knowing the event space, um, 
knowing, you know, um, how long is each speaker speaking? What do I want these people to feel at what point of the event? Um, from there, I go and create an event budget. I brand my event and uh, I begin the publicity on it. I arrange my sponsorship speakers. I launch the ticket sales. I coordinate with all of my event suppliers, which is your AV, your security, your catering. Then I manage the event day and, and conduct the evaluation at the end. So start to finish, it's really a 10 step process. And there, <clears throat> there's some nuance in that, but yeah. I love that. So if you're planning an event that is more than one day, you have to deal with people who will be staying over. And so you have to negotiate a really great rate with the venue, the hotel. How do you do that? Because, I mean, they want to get as much money out of you as they can, but you want to save your people as much money as possible. How does that work? Yeah, um, there's it's, it can be difficult at times because um, I can plan an event. I don't know. Um, eight months in advance and be under contract with them. But you can't always determine what's going on in that city. So mm -hmm. um, I have one that right around the same time, Texas OU, their game is there. And the hotel we were at just so happened to be OU's um, team hotel. Yeah. So as much as I want a great rate on it, they're almost already at capacity. So there's only so much wiggle room they can do. We, I can tell them, hey, I'm going to bring these people to you. These rooms are going to get filled, but they mm -hmm. can come right back and say they're going to get filled anyways because OU is here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so um, it really depends on like going about it. You have to reach out and you have to create some sort of relationship with them. If it's a one off thing, it can be difficult. But if you know, hey, if y'all treat us right, we're going to keep coming back to you. Mm -hmm. um, they're a little bit more susceptible of dropping a couple more dollars off there yeah. and, and, and knowing that, okay, this is repeat business. Let's treat them right. We can lose a couple dollars on the first time uh, because we know that we're going to make it back on the back end. And so I think just like anything, uh, relationships are really important. So treat your people right. And, uh, and when you go to the negotiating table, they're going to want to scratch your back a little bit more too. Yeah. Um, and, and it helps everyone. It helps our people out. Absolutely. And you have to commit to a certain number of rooms. And if you don't fill them, you still have to pay for them, right? Yes. But um, with quite a bit of them, I don't just because of everything else we're doing there. If I got a small room, like a uh, had a 10 person meeting or a five person meeting, they might make me get on the hook for that because they need to know that they're going to make a little bit of money off of this. Mm -hmm. um, because that room, they'd probably sell for a hundred bucks. It doesn't really make sense. Like they're not making money off of the room rental. Mm -hmm. uh, what they are making money off of is the food and beverage minimums, or like you said, heads and beds with mm -hmm. um, rooms. So a lot of the time I say, hey, we're already spending this. You already know we're doing catering. So can we get a courtesy block? Mm -hmm. And so that courtesy block, they go and say, hey, we're going to open up 20 rooms. Once those 20 rooms get filled up, we'll open another 20. And we'll just keep going. So as you fill them up, we'll open up more um, mm -hmm. until we're all out. And so that's the courtesy side of things that mm -hmm. um, I go to the negotiating table and say, hey, I'm doing you really well here. Can you help us out here? And they say yes. So they don't put us on um, on the hook for it, which is which yeah. is really nice. Yeah. What are some of the biggest mistakes people make when they try to plan an event? Um, they think that the price that's given is just the asking price, which is not the case necessarily. They may say, okay, um, it's going to be a $20,000 uh, food and beverage minimum. 
you're like, wow, that's a whole lot of money. And I've got to pay for the AV and I've got to pay for Wi-Fi and I've got to my my, you know, attendees have to pay for parking and I have to pay for the event rental. It's like, well, if they're doing this, then can you scratch my back here? Can you make sure that all my attendees get free parking? Can you give us complimentary Wi-Fi? Can you give us drink vouchers or something at the bar? There's different things that you can do there. And a lot of people just don't ask. They don't know to ask. They just yeah. think this is what what is required. So this is what I have to pay. And then they end up being upset about it because then they get the final bill back and it's a lot higher than what their original was. Remember, they're giving you your minimums and expected. That can always change, though. Absolutely. We've got maybe a couple minutes to our final break. Let's talk about making money on events. It can be very difficult if you do it wrong. What are some of the things that you can do to make an event profitable? Um, sponsorships are huge. I mm-hmm. think uh, everyone, if you're going to go up there and you're going to speak on some education side of things and you're going to provide value there, well, why not let you know someone else that you know and trust and be a sponsor? And you don't just have to give them the floor to go and sell their stuff. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense for you that you have mm-hmm. to make money too. Why not have them pay a little bit for it? Uh, mm-hmm. How often as you know, an entrepreneur, can I get in front of 200 people for, you know, 5,000 bucks and also get a booth where I can sell on site and also um, go and pitch my own products and things like that. Now, when you look at the value of those things, figure out what your price per you know lead would be. And it just makes sense for people to sponsor there. Also, different ticketing tiers. Um, don't just say, hey, here's a ticket. I know that's the easier work to do there. Mm-hmm. Just say like one size fits all. I don't have to deal with it. But by giving some different value and saying, hey, there's a higher level, everyone's looking for, well, I don't want to miss out on the good stuff. I want to be part of the best part of the experience. So, you know, we add in a dinner and and honestly, through a hotel, a dinner is super expensive, but we just make our tickets even a little bit more expensive. So if I'm only making now, instead of making, you know, 20 bucks on this ticket per person that comes in, maybe by adding in the dinner or some of these other value ads or whatever, Maybe I'm only making 35 bucks a ticket, but does that make a difference when 100 people come through the door? You're you're dang right it does. Yeah, absolutely. We are coming up against our final break. I cannot believe how quickly this is going. We are with Tyler Dozier. We're talking about planning events. And if you missed his 10-step event master plan, rewind, listen to this again, mm-hmm. listen to the replay. Valuable, valuable stuff. I can't wait to continue. We will talk more about event planning with Tyler Dozier when we come back. This is Success Profiles Radio. Down the stretch we come when we return. Be right back. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. 
It's easy, and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. According to a recent article in the Wall Street Journal by Elizabeth Bernstein, therapists are now more likely to offer up tough love instead of a nurturing gaze. The question, how does that make you feel, is now being replaced with, so, what do you want to do about it? Therapists across the country are saying, stop whining about your problems. Whining, also known as chronic complaining, is the whop, whop, yelp, yelp about any heady needy that arises. Whining is just a powerless complaint, Dr. Bernstein says. Understand this and you can get to the root of what is really wrong. Some therapists are even letting go of those snarches who just can't stop whining. By the way, did you know a whiner's blood type is always being negative? It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Tyler Dozier. We are talking about event planning for your business or whatever your reason is for hosting an event. And I can't wait to continue this. So what is event week like? How stressful can it get? Because what can go wrong usually does in some form or another. You can't anticipate every contingency. What is event week like for you? Yeah, so uh, we try to anticipate every little contingency. We try to put a plan together for everything. So it can be stressful. Um, I would say Monday is like, all right, here's our macro plan. Let's put everything together. Anyone who's not on the event team but is support staff, um, this is what your job duties and titles are going to be. This is the roles, expectations. And uh, then we go and get to work. So, we, you know, go in on site, setting up all the equipment, making sure lighting, all those things are right, running through um, intro songs and your slides and making sure that this is happening during this transition and whatnot. And this is the time that our sponsor is coming up on stage. So we run through like our own rehearsals and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. But the biggest stress should really be the day before the event. Like as everything's coming together and you're doing those things, that should be your most stressful time. If you've prepared well and you have strong contingencies, day of event should be the least uh um, stressful part of it. So, yeah. you know, it's like hay is in the barn at that point. You've just got to yeah. go and do do the work. You're there. Yeah. There's nothing you can change now. Yeah. You have to set up the room the day before. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Typically, it's the day before, um, depending. But sometimes you can get in there a couple days before, which is really nice. Yeah. So it's not a, a, a you know, a 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. setup and, and you know, prior to the the event where you're already going to be there long days. So Awesome. So let's say the event is over and you need to evaluate it. Now, a lot of people probably don't do this, but tell us what it's like for you to evaluate how things went. Yeah. So we get everyone kind of round tabled and um, we spend probably about three or four minutes on what we do well, and then probably another 20 minutes on what we could do better 
uh, or what went wrong. So we don't harp too much on it. We kind of lean into some of the feedback that we get um, from a lot of the people as well. We used to do a lot of feedback surveys. Um, we've kind of gotten a little bit away from some of those things uh, just because a lot of it is like, well, yes, we know this here that y'all give us a little bit of feedback. Like, it, okay, the food could have been better. Yes, I understand. I agree. But the people who got the better food may have had a higher ticket tier or, um, <laughs> right. you know, like, so it's like, oh, well, I, I know it's not going to be the best thing in the world because that's not what you paid for at your ticket tier. And and unfortunately, right. sometimes that is how it is. But uh, we look at those things and then you take every bit of it with a grain of salt, because if you made a 98 percent of your people really happy, you probably did a pretty darn good job. Right. But you also know that probably five to 10 of the percent of that, um, they're just they just enjoy you. So like, they're not going to tell you the harsh truth. And then there's some that maybe didn't take it. And then you also have to listen to those people that weren't happy with it. And so yeah. you take all of those things and then you just try and, you know, improve upon it. Some of it is very valid uh, feedback and some of them people are just like to be angry, you know? Yeah. And so, um, we look at all those things, we talk about it and, and I take, you know, everyone, not just survey from attendees, but from our own coworkers of like, what would you rather do? What, what, you know, works better or what didn't work out? What did you see here? Mm -hmm. And uh, and then we just try to build upon those things. Absolutely. So tell us about your favorite success story running an event. Yeah. So um, one of those for me, it was actually the first event that I ever ran myself. Um, I was 17 years old mm. and with the help of no uh, adults at all, we made a um, benefit concert for that friend that I had mentioned earlier that mm -hmm. had uh, passed away. And we went to their family and got the blessing to do something like this. We went to all the friends and uh, or a bunch of, you know, the friends of of uh, our friend Avery. And we did like videos where we would slideshow. We got all the pictures from his family and it, we'd slideshow through that and we incorporated music and um and testimonials and interviews of like the shining light that he was um, mm -hmm. from all of friends. And then we created this concert and everything that we did um, from the tickets and everything that we sold, we created a, a scholarship foundation um, that still to this day, um, that was in 2012. So 10 years later, um, we have, you know, it's still going. That scholarship foundation is given yearly. And that is something wow. that we created and his parents um, give it to a hockey player of one of the local high schools because he was a hockey player. And um, we were told kind of like, how are you going to do this? How are you going to get the insurance? How are you going to get AV? Y'all don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And like we just worked and figured it out. And uh, and to see everyone come together for a really great cause and to be able to not like pat ourselves on the back, but literally to give that money over to the family and let them, you know, uh, uh, like choose who they wanted to give to that scholarship foundation to yeah. that that was like it was uh the moment where i was like this is i love this i want to yeah. continue to do this and so right. the first one was probably my my shining moment but yeah. all of them i think uh have their own own highlights to it for sure absolutely and what would you consider to be the greatest learning opportunity you've had when running events yeah um I used to try and do everything myself and mm. I was a control freak. So, um, you know, it would take longer for me to explain it to you to how, to, how to do it instead of, I could just do it myself. And so mm -hmm. I would, I would just do everything by myself. I'm running around like a chicken with his head cut off. And, uh, 
And I realized like, this was from, you know, um, one of my mentors here at, at work that was like, if you delegate this task and they do it 60% as good as you, it is worth it to let them keep doing it. They're going to continue to grow. They will get better at it. And um, and you don't have to be stuck doing those minute tasks that a lot of people can do. They just may not do it as well as you. But how could they? You, you've done, you know, 1,000, 1,200 plus events. Give them some time to come into their own. And so yeah. uh, um, <clears throat> I burned myself out a lot. I did a lot of 20-hour days. Wow. Um, and And got to the point of realizing, like, if I don't make the time for this, I'm not going to last very long in this industry. And right. uh, so after enough enough pain, you know, you you make a change. <laughs> Absolutely. So as you run a business, you have to have a set of very clear core values. And I know that you believe very strongly in having core values. So what are your top core values? Yeah, um, you know, before getting in here, I didn't really adopt them super strong. Um, I, I told myself, hey, fun is a core value of mine and um, and care, like care and compassion was really big. But I really adopted into like and bought into what we do here at uh, 48.7 Live and Break Free Academy. And that is, you know, generosity. We go above and beyond. Right. Um, we do what we say we're going to do when we say we're going to do it. That's the integrity piece of it. Um, we do the work. That's your work ethic. And the last mm -hmm. one is that we make no excuses. And yeah. so that's accountability. And so um, those are really huge for us. And, you know, everyone in the office chants it out like it's a cult every Monday. And mm -hmm. we live by it constantly. And we believe that when we're all bought in on on those core values and that mission, that that's the driving force behind why we are successful, because we're all bought in on those core values and our, our mission. Absolutely. In order to run events like this, you have a lot on your plate, which means by extension, you get a lot done. How can we get more done in a day? Mm, um, I think it's really important to know what is most important, like prioritize correctly, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, um, <clears throat> they don't know what their worth is. And I think that worth is, okay, what do you make per year? Um, now let's break that down to the hour, right? So what are you worth per hour? Are you doing $10 an hour tasks like data entry? when someone else you could you know delegate that off to or or even look at not what i'm worth right now but what do i want to be worth what is the yeah. dollar amount that i'm going to be happy with if i'm making two hundred thousand dollars an hour let's break that down and figure out what is that worth per hour now if i want to get to that point i can't be doing small tasks that mm -hmm. um are, are ten dollar an hour tasks like some people it's therapeutic for them to mow their lawn that's a good mm -hmm. thing go do mm -hmm. it then but for mm -hmm. a lot of us that it doesn't serve us in, in any sort of way, don't do it. Get it off your plate. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think you can get a lot done by prioritizing, figuring out what you're worth, delegating off those things that um, don't serve you very well, and then um, and then blocking off your time. I think being in your calendar is super important. Live and die by that because if you mm -hmm. don't, um, we all kind of start to veer off just mentally and, and we go and do the things that maybe we want to do. There's a little bit of bias in there. And so if I'm being told I have to do this, then there's no negotiation. It's already been told. I, I just go and do the work. Absolutely. So I think that uh, calendar is big. Perfect. How do you decide what to say yes and no to? Ooh, uh, I man, I uh, used to be really bad at no. I was like, I can do it, so I'll go and do it. Um, I think a lot of experience has had to, a lot of life experiences have had to happen for me to even get to 
saying no now. Um, Mm -hmm. The honest truth is that I had to say yes too many times and I had to kind of fall a little bit um, before I would say no, because I, I didn't know what the precautions of saying yes so much were. And once I figured that out, I realized, okay, I can't say yes to everything. Um, if you're really close to me, I'm more likely to say yes to a lot of things. And mm-hmm. the further you drift away from my friend group. So I think I prioritize the people closest in my life from my best friends, my family, the people that, um, that I spend, you know, life with. I think they get the most of my yeses. And then Mm -hmm. I look at what needs to be done in the work sense. um, And I'm going to say yes to those things. But if if it's not serving anyone, um, myself included, I can be more susceptible to saying no now. And and it just took, again, experience. Great. We've got about a minute to a minute and a half left. Who inspires and motivates you? This is the question I ask everyone. Yes. Honestly, at a dark point in my life, um, there's a person that when I was really great, um, she was the person that I was kind of mentoring. When things got really tough for me, uh, she became the mentor for me. She got me back into my church. She got me back into my gym. Um, So a person that inspires me, her name is Hannah Thompson. Um, I have been blessed to know her for about eight years now, and she has done so much for my life. that she doesn't even realize she's just living it by example mm-hmm. and uh, and by the things that I used to be strong enough to say, we're doing this. Uh, you know, she continued that that path. And yeah. uh, and then when things got hard for me, she brought me back up. And so vicarious uh, experiences now, I, I try to keep up with her. Awesome. And as we wrap up, how can we try and vibe with you? How can we find you? Yes, Facebook, Tyler Shane Dozier. That's the best spot. Awesome. Tyler, thanks for being here. You were wonderful. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us every Monday at 6 p.m. where I interview another world-class achiever, learn what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn along the way. Until next week, take care, everyone. Goodbye. Have a great day. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.